Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, whether physical or virtual. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT. And for each episode, we bring you the views and perspectives of some of the industry luminaries in the enterprise IT space. I'd like to take just a moment for our guests today to introduce themselves so you have a little bit of an idea who they are before we move on to the premise. Gina? Hey there, I'm Gina Rosenthal, and you can find me on Twitter at Gminks, and you can also visit my website at digitalsunshinesolutions.com. Matt? Hi, I'm Matt Bryson. I'm senior VP at uh, Wedbush, and you can reach me at matthew.bryson at wedbush.com. All right, Tim? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Uh, Tim Crawford, CIO and strategic advisor with Avoa. You can catch me on Twitter at tcrawford or on the website at avoa.com. All right, and Stephen. Good to be here. I'm Stephen Foskett, organizer of Tech Field Day and publisher of Gestalt IT. You can find me on Twitter at sfoskett. All right, let's jump into today's premise. You have probably seen the news that CEO of Intel, Bob Swan, will be stepping down on February the 15th. And replacing him is current VMware CEO, Pat Gelsinger. Mr. Gelsinger was formerly the CTO of Intel, and he departed a number of years ago to take a job at EMC and later at VMware. And industry insiders are claiming that this is one of the best moves that Intel could have made to bring new blood into the situation that Intel finds itself in, being beset on all sides by a number of challengers and losing large customers based on some troubles that they're having. So the premise of today's episode is that Pat Gelsinger is going to save Intel. Now, I think it's probably best if we go ahead and open up here and maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that Intel has been facing over the last couple of years, ever since the interim CEO tag was taken off of Mr. Swan's name. Stephen, why don't you jump in and kind of give us just a bit of background since you and I have already talked about this a little bit in some other episodes. What's been going on with Intel and why are they kind of feeling like they need to change the captain of the ship? Yeah, well, I can speak from the maybe the market facing perspective and maybe, you know, Matt or uh, somebody else can speak from more of the, you know, kind of insidery perspective. Um, I mean, essentially, Intel has been very, very late in moving forward with um, smaller and smaller transistor sizes, and this has caused their chips to fall behind uh, their competitors, in my opinion. you know, from a CPU perspective. Um, at the same time, uh, while Intel is falling behind uh, companies like TSMC, um, they're also uh, lagging behind in other areas. Uh, you know, NVIDIA is eating their lunch in GPUs and has for a long time. Um, you know, we're starting to see other companies, uh, you know, nibbling into the CPU market even with Apple launching their Apple Silicon. And um, Intel at the, at, during this whole period has also invested in a whole bunch of other areas, many of which don't appear to be paying off. So I know that there's been a lot of concern about their Optane uh, technology and whether that's a financial success or not. Um, you know, they, they spent a lot of money on Mobileye for mobile uh, autonomous driving. Um, you know, they spent a lot of money on an FPGA uh, solution that so far, you know, people are saying like, what's happening here? Um, you know, they, they did a lot in HPC and AI that didn't seem to have paid off. 
And essentially, the, the vultures are circling and saying, you know, uh, once great Intel doesn't seem to be delivering the goods, that's what it seems like, I'd say, from a market perspective. Now, I'm not trying to say that that's my position, because I think my opinion is a little more nuanced, but um, maybe that's the reason that people are looking at Intel as a company that needs to be saved. Now, Tim, you have the ear of a lot of CIOs and a lot of executives out there in the industry. You know, what's their perspective on what's going on inside of Intel? So I think there are a couple of things you have to look at. Number one is some of the minutia that's happening under the covers doesn't get seen by the end customer. Um, the shift, for example, from 10 to 7 to 5 nanometer, that's, that's not really um, a factor. What comes into play are two aspects. One is the design wins. So getting Intel design uh, into the architecture that they're looking for, and then being able to tell the story about what it is that they bring from a value proposition. You know, if anyone's ever seen Intel slides before, they're heavy on numbers, you know, 5% better here, 20% better there, but better than what? And how does that relate to something I'm doing within my corporate enterprise? And that's where I think they've kind of had a big miss is they're not connecting the dots between what they're doing internally and how that equates into customer success. There are just too many dots to connect. So I think telling the story has been problematic for Intel. And in that void, we've seen NVIDIA, AMD, Qualcomm, uh, Apple come in and fill that void with some, frankly, uh, very good storytelling and very good solutions to boot. The second piece to that is the execution. And you know this has been talked about a lot that Intel has really gotten tripped up on uh, executing. And you know the, the good thing that I did see was that they're coming out right up front and saying, look, we screwed up on an execution standpoint and we've got to fix that. And they do. Have they lost the game at this point? No, I don't think they have, but they've got, they've got a long road ahead of them. I wanted to kind of add to that too, because if you think about who Intel's customers are, they're not end users, they're not data centers, they are actually servers and um, and per, you know and end user devices. So if you stick with the server idea, um, and Intel's a huge huge organization, how fast can they switch to the new world that we're seeing with the chips that Stephen talked about a little earlier? And if their real customers are the server companies, the server companies have had a really hard time wrapping their heads around that and switching to the newer types of devices, to switching to, you know, the faster types of um, chips so that they could enable things like HPC, AI, distributed systems, distributed infrastructures. Um, and I'm not sure the server companies are still there. So if their customers are all banging on their door for something that's really kind of slowing down and in the old school, that opens up this opportunity for other companies like NVIDIA to grab an opportunity to see where the puck's going to be and skate towards that instead of continuing just to serve exactly what their customers want for the right now. So I want to take a moment to kind of come back. We know that Intel has some challenges and we know that the technology in the market is definitely changing rapidly. But I want to go right to the head of the table. I want to talk about the people who are in charge. So Bob Swan, who was formerly the CFO of Intel, has essentially admitted that he never wanted to be the CEO, that he had to step in to run the ship because of the issues that were going on with the pre previous CEO. We know that Pat Gelsinger left 
the Intel group because the CTO is typically not someone who's tracked to be the new CEO. He had to go cut his teeth somewhere else and then come back. And by all um, estimation of people who have both worked with him and for him, Pat is a stand-up person who is more than capable of not just being a manager, but a leader. I, I, I've said as much in a blog post that I wrote, very um, positive on Pat. But even the best leaders in the world are gonna find challenges when they step onto what could essentially be a ship that's on fire. So what does Pat bring to this equation that allows him to look at where Intel currently sits right now and say, I need to make moves to fix this, to put us back where we need to be. Is there a quality that makes him better suited to do this than someone say like Bob Swan or even an outsider? I want to take that one uh, first because I love that question. And um, I want to just say first, uh, Intel is not a ship on fire. Um, this is a company that is uh, by all accounts, uh, far and away the leader in almost every market that it plays. I think that what Intel really needs is um, leadership that understands the product. And that's why I'm so excited about Pat coming in, because as you said, this is someone who's a technical person um, you know, at Intel and really understood what the company was developing, really, really got it. And yet this is also someone who's proven that they can lead companies. And then there's this sweetener. I mean, remember, Pat was almost going to be the CEO of Microsoft before he went over to Dell EMC and, and, and to, to VMware. Um, the, the, this weird combination of having you know, the technical background, the leadership, and then being, you know, spending a decade like soaking in the client like the buyer of these products, that's what has me excited. And I think that that's really what Intel needs. I think the company just needs a leader who is a true leader, but also who truly understands what this company is. And I don't want to throw shade at Bob Swan because I frankly, I don't know the guy. I don't really know anything about him. But coming from as a CFO, um, basically, he's going to juggle money around. And I feel like Pat is going to come in and juggle product around. I totally agree with that. And I worked for Pat's and have, um, I was in a product role at VMware and um, worked with directly with other chip manufacturers with VMware and with Dell EMC. So not only you've got Pat who, this was his, where he grew up was inside Intel. And that's even though, you know, I, I always preach about like companies, it's a transaction, you get your money, you get out, your first companies are really who you uh, you feel the most for because that's how you grow into it. I'm sure there's some of that with Pat because that's the kind of guy he is too. But he also worked for EMC, then was appointed CEO. Um, I mean, see, yeah, CEO of VMware. But he knows the competitors to Intel inside and out because of his role at VMware. And I don't see anyone talking about that a lot. He knows that, he knows what it takes to work with a company, a server company, with more than just Dell EMC, he also works all the time with HP and the other server companies and the other storage companies for that matter. He knows everything that's going on with them. He knows what they need. He knows where they're going. He knows all the roadmaps. He knows the roadmap of the primary enterprise virtualization. So couple his love of that, you know, his first love for his first career company with everything that he's known and driven. And he's just bringing this wealth of information that Intel needs at this point in time. 
Yeah, let me just piggyback on what Gina is saying. You know, having worked for a semiconductor company um, years back, it's a unique breed of leader that you need to, to lead the charge. But here's the problem. What got Intel to this point isn't going to get them to be able to move forward. And I think the, the challenge with Bob, and I've had the opportunity to talk with Bob one-on-one -on -one in the past, um, he's a really great guy, but I don't think that's the kind of leadership that Intel really needed. What you need in a semiconductor company is you need someone that, that has the respect of the engineering and development tiers within the organization. Pat has that. Pat has come up through the rank and file within Intel. He has that street cred internally. And considering the size and girth of the company, you need someone that can step in and immediately have that street cred. Bringing someone in from the outside, I think would be too disruptive for someone like Intel. Now, that being said, you need someone that also understands that Intel can no longer go through this incremental improvement process as they have. They have to really kind of change the course that they're driving the battleship. The fact that Pat has stepped away from Intel, seen it from the outside, frankly, VMware would have been a great place for anyone to step out of Intel and step into another organization that has a firsthand view of how the enterprise is shaping up and evolving. He's going to be able to bring that to the table. And so I actually am really encouraged by seeing Pat come back from a customer standpoint. However, all of that being said, they need to really kind of change their game demonstrably. You know, I mentioned earlier that they need to change their messaging. They need to change their focus. They have a phenomenal amount of technology. And unfortunately, it's kind of withering on the vine. I mean, you look at technology like SGX, for example, and you look at how security is managed within Intel from edge to cloud, which every enterprise is having to contend with when it comes to data. Not many people understand that. Not many people are developing to it. Not many providers really tap into it. And so that's this is part of the problem that Pat's gonna have to tackle is how do you start to evolve the organization internally and convince them that they have to make these dramatic changes without completely upsetting the, the organization, but at the same time, regain the trust from an execution standpoint, but also from a vision and directional standpoint that you really set yourself apart from your competition, the competition being all of the players that we've mentioned earlier. That's a tall order. He's got his work cut out for him, no question. But I do think he's in a good position and has a good starting position to be successful. And so I want to step back to something that, that Steven said about Intel not being a ship on fire. Um, I, I think certainly Intel is not disappearing, but I, I think that over the last couple of years, one of the things they benefited from is there was there has been a very strong spending cycle, uh, particularly from hyperscale players. And while that hasn't continued into, uh, or did not continue into 2020 or through 2020, you all of a sudden have the, this very robust PC refresh cycle because we're, we're all working from home. Our kids are all uh, getting educated at home. And so there have been these demand drivers for Intel that have kept its fabs full, even though you've seen a competitor who's been taking five points of share consistently every year. And so the issue I think with Intel is if you didn't find someone to turn things around and you continue down the same path, you end up in a problem where your fabs aren't full. And if you manufacture in your fabs and you have to live with the capacity cost um, and it's it's 
it's weighing on your financials, it becomes a, a huge competitive disadvantage. And, and so I think they were at a point where they had to change. Um, and, and I think that everyone's made some good points about why Pat's the right guy to bring about change. Um, but but I, I do think they had to do something. And, and if they waited a year, two years, you might be at a point where you've lost so much share and you can't fill your fabs that you're just going to run into what AMD did back when when they struggled with Opteron or post-Opteron. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. I, I do think, though, that they have to look a, a bit further upstream. They have to turn to the customer, not just the CSP, not just the cloud service provider, but look to the customer. Because if they can garner the customer interest, and I've said this both internally and externally, uh, publicly, as well as privately to folks uh, within Intel, they need the equivalent of the da-da-da-da and Intel inside for corporate entities. They need a commercial version of that. And the way you get that commercial version is by essentially tying it to those business problems that every enterprise is contending with. You know, I mentioned data and edge to cloud. If they started telling a story effectively, play this out for a minute. If they started to tell that story effectively, that would then drive customers, which are those enterprises, to start putting that into their design requirements. And they would go to the CSP and say, yeah, I'm not interested in these other processors, these other technologies. I need this. And so that would ultimately drive the decisions as opposed to letting the OEMs and the CSPs drive the process from a dollar standpoint. I do think that time is coming. It's just taking a long time to get here. And Intel has the ability to make that change. The question is, do they have the intestinal fortitude internally to make the change? I'm not sure about that. So I'm not sure I'm ready to say, you know, Intel is a burning ship going down. I'm not ready to say that. But I am saying that they've got their work cut out for them. And unless they, they make some of these changes, they could very well end up being that ship that goes down. I'd like to follow on to that too. Um, you know, you mentioned the Intel inside, and uh, absolutely, I think that the biggest challenge for Intel is that this is a company. This is not a company that sells things that people buy. This is a company that sells things that other companies buy that then people buy, and so on. I mean, it's it's like this chain. And the problem, really, with so many of their products. I mean, if you look at, I mean, they've got just tremendous like like networking products, for example. But um, you know, is that going to be the sort of thing that that somebody's going to put on their requirements, or is it going to be the sort of thing that? somebody deep in an architecture discussion is going to decide to use, you know, and it's the same, you know, you mentioned Intel inside. Um, I think with with Optane, I think the biggest challenge of, of the success of Optane is the fact that they can't talk about the success of Optane. It's like the fight club of the data center. Um, anyone who's actually using it in anger is not going to mention that they're using it. It's like a big secret. And so they, they, they need a sticker on the outside of that server that says, you know, Optane inside, you know, they need a, you know, to be having Optane instances in the cloud and they just don't. And so nobody, not only do we, is that product maybe successful? Maybe it's not. We have no way of knowing if it's successful because they're not releasing numbers and you just don't know if you're using it. All right. So it sounds like Intel is a company with potential. Uh, obviously, the the largest chip manufacturer in the world is going to have potential, um, even though they're they're beset on all sides by by challenges. And it sounds like that Pat Gelsinger is the right person to make that happen. But 
the right company and the right person still need to make the right changes. And we've kind of alluded to that in, in the discussion already, but I want to be very pointed then. The Intel uh, leadership has released a statement, uh, at least for the next few weeks, saying that it's business as usual. We're staying the course and we're going to evaluate what needs to happen. And based on the stock price, Wall Street is reacting to the news as well as Wall Street normally does. But when Pat takes this, the chair and gets his feet underneath him and the changes need to happen, what's the change that you want to see made at Intel to bring them back to the prominence that they used to enjoy? Not saying Intel is not top of the heap, but they're not the top of the heap. So what, do they, what does Pat Gelsinger need to do to make Intel back to what they used to be? I think he has to be bold and I feel like he will be, but um, if one of the things they're worried about and competing with, which I've seen um, reports of him doing this is Apple and their new arm, that building on arm, uh, building forearm. I think this is something that they would have to do. They need to innovate, go with the new types of technologies, blend the new types of technologies and, and compete with people like Apple that are, are, are throwing themselves into the new types of designs. Yeah, I'd say that there are a couple things they need to do. Number one, first and foremost, they got to get their execution down, full stop. Without the execution, nothing else matters. Um, number two is they have to have a clear vision that is not the vision that they've held true for the last several years. They need to have dramatic change take place and they need to be telegraph telegraphing that and storytelling that to the end users, to those enterprises. You know, the earlier comment that none of those end users buy Intel specifically, I completely agree with. It's sold through CSPs and OEMs, but they need to go upstream. They need to get it into those design processes where people are demanding Intel for a number of different reasons. So I would look to just those two pieces, the change in the vision, not picking up off what they have, but rather completely changing that, uh, looking toward that enterprise market. And then the second piece is execution. If they do just those two pieces, they will be leaps and bounds ahead of their competition. And yes, there will always be the Intel, NVIDIA, AMDs around. I think there's a space for them too, but we will continue to talk about Intel as being the top dog. I'm going to say that um, what, I'm going to disagree with Tim. Uh, I don't think that in, that it's a storytelling uh, challenge. I think it's an execution challenge fundamentally. I think that Intel simply needs to take what they have and get it to market. And I feel like um, this is a company. You know, I mean, this is a company that has, you know, missed schedules for delivery of next generation server platforms, missed schedules for delivery of. Um, the obviously the process node improvements, but also um, you know the products themselves. I mean, it, Apple didn't switch to ARM because they wanted to switch to ARM. They switched to ARM because they had to, because they had to delay all their MacBooks for like a year waiting for product. I feel like um, you know Intel needs to deliver, and I think that fundamentally what Pat needs to get in there to do is shake everything up and say, look, we need to deliver a next generation server platform, and we need to do it now. And the cool thing is he's already got all the pieces, at least reportedly, in the company to actually deliver that. It's just a matter of delivering it. 
you have to deliver it on time, but you have to deliver it without a specter virus. <laughs> you can't deliver, you have to make sure that, you know, the entire process from start to finish is, is going to work, work quickly and um, respond to the market. So I, I agree with what Stephen said. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, with execution. So when Intel can get its fabs right, they have a huge gross margin advantage versus someone who has to go to TSM or Samsung uh, to secure parts. And I, I think historically, one of the reasons they've had such control over the market is they're able to give their partners and on the server side, the VAR side, so many marketing dollars that it makes it impossible for those partners to leave. So if they can get the execution part right, I, I think that is that is a huge part of the battle. The other piece that I think, again, if they can get the manufacturing part right, is I, I think having your own fabs historically in times where you're not running full, one of the things they've been able to do is they've been able to run some programs that are a little out of, out of left field. And, and I think sometimes those work. Um, and you can't do that if you have to do it through TSM. It's just, it, it's just too costly. Um, but if you have a fab that's, that's not full and you're not going to be using the, that wafer capacity, um, I, I think it's something you can do. And I think that with that opportunity, I, I guess, I, I think they really need to cater to the CSPs. Um, and and it, I know that that differs from how, how Tim looks at things. But when I look at the market, that's just going to become, in my mind, the larger and larger portion of the market. And so if you're able to go to Amazon, or you're able to go to Google and you're able to say, look, you know, I, I can, I know you're looking for, uh, or Microsoft, I know you're trying to shift from an FPGA to an ASIC on the security side. Let me help you with that. They can do that. And if their manufacturing is right, they can do it more cost effectively. And, and I think they have a huge advantage, but it, it all comes back to, if you can't execute around manufacturing, if you can't execute the schedule, it doesn't matter that you have all these resources um, be, because you just, it, it, everything falls apart. Yeah. And, and it, it's something that I agree with. So as I started, you know, execution has to be there. If you don't have that, the rest doesn't matter. But I do think that beyond the CSP, they do have to start looking upstream because if they don't, then they're kind of left to the, the mercy of the OEMs and CSPs, which quite frankly, they're looking for guidance too. And that guidance ultimately is going to come from the end user. I think that's where the biggest opportunity is. That's where the differentiation can come in for these folks. It can't just be a, a cost perspective. I mean, cost perspective works to a point, but then eventually, as we know, and we've seen this in other spaces, others catch up. And so I think that you have to look at the long game here as well. You can't just look at the short term. I think it's funny because this is mirroring a conversation that we started before we jumped on this discussion um, about playing the long game. But I wanted to ping on what Matt said because he's completely right. I have funded so many marketing programs with Intel dollars that I would not have been able to do. And I love the point he made about, can you go into, if Intel gets the, the execution right and says, hey, let me help you do this with your C Mr. CSP provider. They will do the technical piece, they will do the alignment, and then they will also hand them a boatload of money to do the marketing. So that's how it, it goes down. And I, I think that's an actually great point. Well, it sounds like we all agree that Pat Gelsinger is the person that Intel needs to be using at the helm right now. That there are challenges, 
but there are challenges with every technology company. Um, Pat is leaving VMware at a time when cloud seems to be uh, becoming the dominant form of consumption. So he's no stranger to, to having to deal with challenges. The key is, is that Intel has a good foundation, but it needs to make changes. It needs to execute on those changes and it needs to deliver them on time to the customers that will ultimately use Intel to sell to people like us. And the way that a leader like Pat Gelsinger chooses to do that is going to be the difference between us having a conversation in a couple of years about whether or not Intel can ever get back to where they were before and having a conversation about the Cinderella story that is Intel reassuming the dominance in the market is going to be told in the next few months. That will just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you want to check out this podcast, you can find the latest episode on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe in your favorite podcast application of choice or in iTunes. If you do, please leave us a rating and a review so that other folks who are interested in enterprise IT technology discussions can find us and subscribe. If you have a premise that you would like to see debated on this podcast, please hit us on Twitter. We are at Gestalt IT. Thank you very much to our guests for joining us today. Your uh, opinions and viewpoints were outstanding. Um, thank you very much to all of the team at Gestalt IT for putting this together. We look forward to seeing you on another episode of our podcast in the near future, and we hope to talk to you soon.